Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. If you would please, Numbers chapter 13, the book of Numbers chapter 13. The title of my message this morning is See and Be Healed. See and Be Healed. Numbers 13, we're going to look at verse 33 in a moment. But you know the chapter, or you should be familiar with the text. In this chapter, we discover that Moses was instructed of the Lord to send one leader from every tribe of Israel for the purpose of spying out Canaan's land, or the land of promise, to bring back a report to Moses and to Aaron describing the land, whether it be good or bad, whether it be lean or fat, and if there was enough wood in the land. Also, the people, whether or not they were strong or weak, whether they be few or many, and then also the cities that they lived in, whether they lived in tents or strongholds. And so the leaders went, they spat out the land, and they spent 40 days searching the land, and they came back and said that it's a land that indeed flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And they brought a big cluster of grapes. Probably one would be a mill in itself. But it was a wonderful land that flowed with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. And they said that the people are strong. The people are strong in the land. All the people are men of great stature in the land. And as far as the cities were concerned, the cities are walled. In other words, strongholds, great and mighty fortresses. And so that was the report that they brought back. That's what they were asked to do. But they went ahead and took another step in their own lives and said things as they saw things. And, of course, the things that they said were to their own detriment. I want to pick it up in verse 33, and you can see that here. And there we saw. Everybody say they saw. They saw. See, they saw the giants, the sons of Anak which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. Everybody say sight. Notice saw, sight, in our own sight, as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. So we were in their sight. So they saw the giants. They said we are grasshoppers in our own sight compared to them. And so are we grasshoppers in their sight. Now, I have a question. How did they know that to be true? They may think that they look like grasshoppers according to their perception, but how can they speak for them? How can they speak for the giants that were in the land? They can only speak for themselves. See, I don't know what you think of me, but I know what I think of you, and it's all good, <laughs> right? You see, beloved, what they saw, in other words, their view of things or their perception of things, is what they got. I realize they said certain things and got what they said, but what they saw 
caused them to say what they said. And so not only is it true that what we say is what we get, but it's also true that what we see will influence what we say, which determines what we get. So I said, see and be healed. And there are certain things to see to be healed, but I won't, I'm not there yet. These leaders had restricted vision. They couldn't see beyond the physical condition of the giants that were in the land. They could not see their hearts. They didn't know what was really inside of them. All they saw was their physical stature and they cowered because of the physical stature of the people that were in the land. Where there is no vision, people perish. Helen Keller once said, it's one thing to be blind, but it's worse to have sight and no vision. Think about that. They had no vision. They couldn't see beyond their problems, their circumstances, or their feelings. Now, I want to show you how wrong they were. Look at Joshua chapter 2, if you would, please. Now, they could speak for themselves as far as what they saw and what they felt about themselves, but they couldn't speak for the others because they had no idea what was going on in their hearts or what was going on in their minds or how they perceived things. But in Joshua chapter 2, we have a revelation of what they saw and how they saw the Israelites that were approaching the promised land. In verse 1, now I realize that this is talking about the leadership of Joshua as he brought them into the promised land. But listen carefully. It talks about things that they experienced before Joshua while they were under the leadership of Moses. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2, Joshua. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Go view the land, even Jericho, and they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Just going down to verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came up out of Egypt. And what did ye did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, what things? When they came out of Egypt, when they crossed the river Jordan, when they were delivered from the hands of the Egyptians by the power of God and all the, the plagues, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the demonstrations that God displayed openly before all those people, they were what? They were afraid. Look at Our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above 
and in earth beneath. Go on back to, to verse 9 and look at that word faint. The inhabitants of the land, it says, they began to faint because of you. Now, in my margin, it says they began to melt away. Now, put your finger there or put your bookmark there for a moment and go to the book of Exodus in chapter 15 because I want you to see something here that was prophesied, that was prophetically proclaimed with regard to their entrance into the promised land. Exodus 15 and 15. It said the hearts of the people began to faint or everybody say melt away. They began to melt away. Look at verse 15, chapter 15, Exodus. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All, everybody say all. All, all the inhabitants of Canaan shall what? Shall what? Shall melt away. They shall faint. They shall lose courage. They will lose their initiative. They will be full of fear. They won't have any defense. They will hear what the Lord did and then they will melt away in their hearts. Now go on back to Joshua chapter 2. It says the inhabitants of the land faint because of you or they melt away because of you. Why? Verse 10. Because we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Isn't that when that happened? Isn't that after they came across the sea on dry land? That they said as they sang their song and proclaimed the goodness of God that the hearts of the people would melt away in Canaan's land? Absolutely. They would faint. They would melt away. When you came out of Egypt, and what did you into the two kings? Verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things... Not 10 years later, not 20 years later, not 40 years later, but as soon as we heard these things, what happened to them? Our hearts did melt. Isn't that what they said would happen? Isn't that what God said would happen? Their hearts would melt away. They would faint. They would lose heart. They would be discouraged. They would be fearful of you. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Even though they were giant men of great stature, they had no courage. They had no heart. And so when those Israelites said, when those leaders said, we are as grasshoppers in their sight, no, they were wrong. They were as giants in their sight. Can you see that? They weren't as grasshoppers in their sight. They were as giants in their sight. Their hearts were melted away. They were full of fear discouraged. They conceded the land already, but the Israelite leaders saw them as giants and they were afraid and they were discouraged. And they said, because of what we see, those giants in the land, we can't get in. We can't obtain the promise. You might want to write these three things down. Number one, they failed to see their God as bigger than their problems. They failed to see their God as bigger than their problems. And since we're talking about healing, they failed to see their God as bigger than their disease. They failed to see their God as bigger than whatever the case may be. Tuberculosis, cancer, heart disease, bone disease, eye trouble, whatever, whatever the case may be. They failed to see 
to see, to perceive, to have vision beyond the now, the natural, the physical. They fail to see their God as bigger. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, what can defeat us? They failed to see that, to perceive that, to have that kind of vision. Secondly, they failed to see themselves as God saw them. They failed to see themselves as God saw them. They said, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. That's not how God saw them. God saw them as the dominant force in the earth. God saw them hooked up with himself and they were bigger than their enemies. We're as grasshoppers. And if we walk around in the face of sickness and disease and see ourselves as inferior to the sickness or the disease, then we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us because He sees us as overcomers in this life. He sees us as already healed, as a matter of fact. And thirdly, they failed to see their enemies were already defeated. They couldn't see beyond the now. They couldn't see beyond the stature of the giants, the physical condition of the stature of the giants in the land. They couldn't see beyond that. And therefore, their hearts melted away. And they were fearful. And they were afraid. Can you see that? They did not see their enemies defeated like David did when he saw Goliath. Did the stature of Goliath mean anything to David whatsoever? Absolutely not. It mattered not how big he was. You know, they say there are three ways that you can measure the height or the stature of Goliath, and it depends on the different units that you use to measure at the particular time. So he could have been anywhere from 9 to 13 feet, something like that. Now, come on. Let's say he was only 11 feet tall, a little taller than I am. I mean, think about it. Eleven. Think about the basketball hoop is ten feet high. Would you like him as your center? I mean, just give him the ball and he wouldn't have to reach up. Just out. Think about it. Did that matter to David if he was nine, eleven, or thirteen feet tall? It, his stature didn't matter. It was not important to David because David had vision. David had perception. He saw beyond the physical. He saw his God. He saw his covenant. He knew his rights. His perception of God at work in his life was bigger than the work of any enemy on the earth. And so he said, look, he's no match. The same God that enabled me to, del- to, to kill the lion and the bear shall deliver me from you. And you know the story. But the point was, all the other Israelites were afraid. David was not because he had perception. He had vision. He saw beyond the physical condition. And that's how we have to be. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, if you would, please. Matthew, chapter 13. We need to see ourselves... As God sees us, we need to see our enemy defeated and we need to see God as being bigger than our problems. And that perception will enable us to experience God's delivering power, His healing power and victory in all areas of our lives. You see, beloved, because physical conditions attach themselves to our physical bodies, they seem to be 
giants in our lives. There needs to be time set aside for us to meditate the promises of God and to look to our redemptive rights and allow the Spirit of God to give us perception, insight, enlightenment, and vision beyond the physical condition. And I want you to see that here in Matthew 13. You know the story. It's the sower of the seed, but this comes before the explanation of it all, and I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because seeing they, seeing, see not, hearing, hear not. Are you listening? Neither do they understand. What did Helen Keller say? You can be blind and have no vision. I'm sorry, you can, be, you can have sight and have no vision. It's one thing to be naturally blind. It means you don't see. You can't see. I can't see you. But to have sight and have no vision is being spiritually blind. And that's what she was saying. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here. Oh, they see with their eyes, but they don't see. They hear with the ears, but they don't really hear. And they don't understand. Well, why is that important? And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, or Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should what? I should what? I should heal them. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But, but, he hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. Do you know what our heart's cry needs to be? Holy Spirit of God, enlighten me. Open my spiritual ears, open my spiritual eyes, that I may see, just beyond what I see written here, I want a revelation of truth. And that's why Paul prayed for us to have the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of Him. You see, beloved, it's not just reading it, intellectually understanding it, it is spiritually perceiving it, it is vision. Spiritual insight into the ways and purposes of God. A revelation of things that are not seen. While we look at things that are, not things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. They're subject to change. They can change in a heartbeat. Your feelings can fluctuate from day to day. Your physical condition can change from day to day. But the things of the Spirit are eternal, unchanging. They're always the same. And we need to focus our attention on the unchanging things of God and allow Him to give us vision, insight, perception. Ask the Spirit of God to enable you to see certain things. Well, what things do we need to see? Well, number one is we need to see our God is bigger than our problems. Someone says, I do right now. But if you walked up into a giant, would you say the same thing? You know, you could be saying that just out of emotion. And just out of intellect. It's like the, the fellow who said, I can walk across this tightrope, 100 foot drop, 200 foot drop, 300 foot drop. I can walk across this tightrope. Want to see me? Sure, the crowd says, sure, go ahead. And he walks across and walks back. No problem. Then says, 
I can take a wheelbarrow across this tightrope. How many of you believe I can do it? Oh, we believe. We saw you do it without it. We, you can do it. Maybe 50% of them walks across and walks back. I can put 200 pounds of weight in it, rock in it, and walk across and back. Okay. How many believe it? Maybe 75%, 80%. We believe it. He goes across and comes back. We believe it. And finally he says after he gets back and they applaud him, I can put a human body in this wheelbarrow and walk it across and back. How many of you believe it? Oh, they all believe it. Okay, Joe, get in. Joe starts to sweat. He has 14 excuses why all of a sudden he just had an appointment. The dentist. Right, like who's going to go to the dentist? Do, do you see? You've got to see. Perceive means that you have a clear understanding and insight into certain things and they become realities to us. I see my God bigger than my problem. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. If you have a mountain of debt that high, or if your body is attacked with sickness and disease, and it could be life-threatening, I'm not saying it's easy. No one's saying it's easy. We're saying this is the way of God. And if we want to experience reality with God, we have got to, to thrust ourselves into it completely, spirit, soul, and body. Ask the Holy Ghost to give us insight, to see our God bigger than our problem, no matter what our problem may be. And you need to have the Holy Ghost to do that to you, to show you, to open up your eyes so that you can see it. I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared, but the Spirit of God reveals those things to us if we love Him. Invite Him to be your teacher. Invite Him to give you the insight. Secondly, we must see Jesus being made sick with our sickness, sin with our sin, and sick with our sickness, disease with our disease. He was made the curse for us. And you know, beloved, we can write that out and we can write it on a blackboard a thousand times, but it doesn't mean we have the full perception of it. Do you know that? See, we're talking about seeing beyond the natural. We're talking about seeing into the realm of the Spirit. You young people back there, listen to me right now. You may think, this is boring. I'm going to tell you something right now. One day your body's going to be racked with pain. You might have a sports injury one day or something like that, and you will wish that you had listened. Because when man says to you, look, your career is over because there's nothing that man can do for your blown out knee or for this or for that, you're going to want to know how to reach the Savior, Amen. the Healer, Amen. the Redeemer, the Baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. So listen carefully. You need to see Jesus being made sin with your sin and sick with your sickness and disease with your diseases. Are you ready for this? In Isaiah 52:14, or right on through there, 14, it says that his visage was so marred more than any man. He was so diseased with all the diseases of the world that he was unrecognizable. You couldn't recognize him as being a human being. They had to turn their faces away as he became sin, sickness, and disease with all the diseases of humanity on that tree. Can you imagine that? We've got to see that. We've got to see that. This one fella had hurt his shoulder in an industrial accident. He was sit, sitting in a congregation where he was listening to a message similar to this being taught. As he was listening to the message, he began to ask the Holy Spirit to give him that vision. Give me that insight. Enable me to see Jesus being made sick with my problem. And he sat there. 
And he sat there. And the Spirit of God began to move upon him because his heart hungered for reality with God. And the Spirit of God gave him like an insight or a vision. And he sat there and saw himself saying, Jesus, I see this condition that I've had for 14 years in my shoulder on you. I see you with it right now. I see you with it. You took it for me so that I don't have to have it. The minister finally said, if there's anybody out there who sees his or her disease or condition on Jesus, would you come up here? And he came up to the front. And he began to expound on the vision the Spirit of God gave him. And he said, as you said that it triggered off within me, this. And he began to to narrate it. He said, I saw myself standing before Jesus. And I saw Jesus having this condition on my shoulder, on his shoulder. I then saw myself saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And now that you've taken this, I'm healed and I'm whole. And he said, I saw myself swinging my arm as if I was going to throw a baseball. Just working it out just like that. And all the while he's narrating this, the minister recognizes he's actually doing it. And when he got done telling about his vision, the man was completely healed from a condition that he suffered for almost 15 years, unable to move his arm. Because he saw the condition on Jesus and accepted the fact that he's healed. We need to see Satan, sickness, and disease defeated. We need to see our enemies defeated just as David saw Goliath defeated. Just as the first group should have seen the Canaanites defeated. Look, the enemy, as the Scripture says, has been defeated. Satan has been overcome. Jesus came to undo, outdo, overdo all the works of the devil. So Jesus defeated Satan for us, and that means that our enemies have been defeated. And that includes sickness, and that includes disease. But we need to ask the Holy Ghost to give us insight, to give us perception, to give us vision, because where there is no vision, the people perish, just as well as when there's no knowledge, people are destroyed. I've got to see beyond what I feel. I've got to perceive some things that are indeed in the spirit realm and ask the Holy Ghost to make them a reality, to invite Him into my life and say, open my eyes that they may see, open my ears that they may hear, and open my heart that I may understand these precious jewels and gems of truth. And finally, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Remember, while we look not at the things seen, but the things that are not seen. See, we see ourselves in the flesh for the most part. But if we were ever, ever, ever out of this body, and if God allowed us to see ourselves in spirit, stand right next to ourselves, you'd look a whole lot different. Because you see, in your spirit, your redemption has been complete. He's made you righteous. He's given you the life and nature of God on the inside of you. Think about it. And that's how He wants us to see ourselves. Not defeated, not overcome, but victorious, overcomers in this life. He wants us to see ourselves the righteousness of God in Christ. He wants us to see ourselves healed, delivered, and set free by His mighty power and glory. That's what God wants us to see. And we should ask the Holy Ghost to take these truths and make them a reality to us. 
And you realize that's exactly why the Holy Ghost came? You see, God thought it, Jesus brought it, and the Holy Ghost wrought it. It's the plan of God that he thought up. It's the work of Jesus that he came to fulfill the work of the Father, the plan of the Father. And it's the Holy Ghost, the divine agent in the earth today, who is moving upon hungry hearts and saying, here I am to make real to you all the truths of redemption. And if you'll invite me in, and if you'll ask me to, I'll give you the insight, the revelation, the perception that you need to have so that you can walk free from whatever it is that holds you in bondage. Jesus said the Holy Ghost would come to guide us into all truth and show us things to come. He would speak to us, what? The things He hears from the Father. He would show us things to come. In other words, He would reveal to us. He would give us perception. He would give us insight. He would give us vision. In Acts 2.17, what did uh, Peter preach? In that great day, Joel's prophecy would be fulfilled. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall have visions and old men shall dream dreams. Vision and dreams. That is the work of the Holy Ghost in the lives of God's people, giving them insight, spiritual perception, revelation, and understanding. And that's exactly what His mission is in the earth today. Moving upon the hearts and minds of God's people to open up the spiritual realm to them so they can see beyond the now, see beyond the physical, see beyond the intellectual realm. And He'll do that for you if you'll desire it. As a matter of fact, another woman who was born as, it, as an infant, I believe it was, she was born with polio or contracted polio as an infant and she had walked. She was in a wheelchair all of her life. And she heard the same message that you have got to see yourself well. You have got to see Jesus taking your sickness and carrying your pain. In this case, taking your polio. You've got to see that on Him. You've got to see yourself as God sees you. You've got to see God bigger in your life than your problem is. You've got to see your enemy defeated. See it defeated. See, and all that implies spiritual understanding. And she said, I sat there. And I began to see. And she came up to the front and she said, I see myself running back and forth on this platform. And the minister said, what is your condition? She said, I've had polio ever since I was a baby. I have never walked in my life ever. And she said, well, what did you see? She said, I see myself running across that platform back and forth, the stage. In her own words, it was the stage. And she began to narrate what she saw. And that woman found herself rising up out of that wheelchair, walking up on that stage and walking back and forth who had never walked in her life because she saw Jesus being made sick with her polio. She saw herself as God sees her well. She saw her God bigger than her problem and she saw her enemy defeated at the hands of Jesus. That's called spiritual perception. See and be healed. Two more verses. In Numbers 21 and verse 9, to reinforce this truth, you recall the story when the Israelites were disobedient? When has that ever changed? Sorry. 
I mean, look throughout the whole the old covenant. I mean, they just rebelled and rebelled. But listen, verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, everybody say any man. That's the devil, that's the enemy, that's the disease, that's the sickness. If it bites any man, when he, everybody say beheld. Everybody say behold. It means to look upon, to gaze deeply into. It doesn't mean a, a passing glance. It means a steadfast look of beholding into something, a deep gaze into something. In other words, I'm staying focused. I'm staying fixed. I'm going to look at that serpent on a pole. I'm going to keep looking and looking and looking. And what was that serpent symbolic of? It was a type of Christ. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And Jesus was the one who became the curse on the tree for us. And that's exactly what that was emblematic of. He became the curse on the tree for us. And he said, just keep looking at it. Keep looking at it. And we have an advantage, beloved, today. We have the Holy Ghost who moves upon our hearts and minds and enables us to see that truth if we invite Him to do so. And if you have a problem with it, don't be afraid to step out and ask God to help you. Say, Father God, help my unbelief. Enable me to see Jesus on that tree with my condition. As I look and as I gaze into it, you say, how do I do that? Well, listen. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep those healing scriptures right before your eyes so that they're in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them in health unto all their flesh. As you look into, as you gaze upon, as you look deeply into what Jesus did for you and you see that and you see him diseased with your disease or you're made sick with your sickness, as you see your enemy defeated because Jesus died for you, as you see yourself made whole in Jesus by the Spirit of God, then he quickens you and makes you whole, makes it become a reality in your life. And our closing verse is Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14. You allow the Spirit of God to move upon your heart and mind and then you follow His promptings and this is something that comes directly, I believe, from the Spirit of God to anyone here today who is desiring to be free from whatever conditions that has held you bound or captive. And I'm asking that you right now ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation and insight right now as you listen to these of this one verse of Scripture. Because I believe it'll be a powerful thing. Whatever it is that you need to be free from, that you need to walk away from, whatever holds you in bondage, whatever condition, be it physical, emotional, a drug addiction, a behavior pattern, whatever it may be that you want to walk away from, that you want to be free from, this is how to get it. You start seeing God bigger than your problem. You start seeing Jesus as the one who is the problem solver, who died for you, who took your place so that you could be free. You begin to see your enemy as a defeated foe. He has no right to overcome you, no right to enforce whatever it is that's in your life because he is a defeated foe and we've already established that. And finally, you begin to see yourself as God sees you and God sees you whole in spirit, in soul, and in body. God sees you free. He sees you a debt-free people. I'm telling you right now, that's how He sees you. You start seeing yourself as God sees you, and you'll have reality if you'll take this step right here. In verse 15, well, to give you just a little bit of a history here, the Lord 
is the one who is delivering them from the hand of the enemy. But they're, as they always were, murmuring and complaining and upset, crying out to Moses, we're before the Red Sea. What are we going to do? We've got a huge giant before us. We've got mountains on the sides of us. We've got the enemy chasing us from behind. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they keep crying out and complaining and murmuring and all that. Let's read it from verse 12. Is not this the word that, that we did tell the in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still. And everybody say, See. Say it again, see. see. See the salvation of the Lord. That's what they didn't see. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. I like that. See them defeated. See them overcome. See, what they saw, the powerful Egyptian army, Cause them to be fearful. The enemy caused them to be fearful. But he's saying, don't look at that. See the salvation of God. And you'll see it today if you believe. Look at verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you. Well, I like that. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now listen, all this is going on and all of a sudden the Lord said. Everybody say the Lord said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? You ready for this? The, the Living Bible said, And the Lord said to Moses, Quit praying. That's what it says. Wherefore criest thou unto me? You could say, Quit praying. Quit crying. Quit sighing. Quit complaining. Are you getting this? What are you crying to me for? Listen. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And the Living Bible said for them to stop praying and get them moving forward. Stop crying. Stop complaining. You've prayed enough. Stop praying. In other words, and now it's time to move. Get moving forward. Break away. Break loose. The shackles, the bondage that hold you back. Start saying, I'm going forward. I'm not staying this way anymore. And that's exactly what they did. And as a result, praise God, they were delivered by the hand of God. When they changed their attitude, they were set free. But you go on to notice that, my goodness, every time you turn around, they kept looking at the circumstances and they were victimized. And they got into doubt and unbelief. What's his message to us today? Begin to see the salvation of your God and be healed. See your God bigger than your problem. See Jesus, the problem solver, who bore your sickness and carried your pain. See your enemy defeated and see yourself as God sees you, those four perceptions will deliver you and set you free by the hand of God. So stop crying and stop complaining and do what? Move forward. Move forward. I'm leaving this all behind. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. 
I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.